0: Okay, so we're jumping into it. Here we go. Happy New Year, Carp. Yeah,
1: Happy New Year. 2024
0: is here. It is. We've gotten through 2023, and today we are going to really break down, I'm gonna say five. Yeah. Five things you gotta know about real estate going into this year, 2024. And I don't care what position you are in, there's gonna be some great takeaways in this episode.
1: Right? Yeah, absolutely, and I mean, I think a lot of people. You start the new year off with the resolutions, yeah. the changes, but also the unknown. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole new year. It's not like we're sitting at the end. We've our like end of twenty three. We were all ready to get through that. Yeah, you know, it's like let's bring on twenty twenty four. But it's the start of a new year. It you know, good things can come. Maybe bad things can come, but we're here to lay it out for you.
0: We're here to lay it out. And on that note, I'm gonna thank everyone for either watching or listening to MLO. M-L-O. And of course I'm your host, Hattie Nett, and my co host Carp Casey. Yes. Sir. Once again, happy new year. It's yeah. good to be back in. We walked into the office
1: today. It's like it feels clean. Yeah, it feels clean. It's like it's been untouched, it feels like and you know takes off for winter break and holiday break, so And we're trying to get back into
0: the gears. Mm -hmm. Wait, get back into the swing of things. Shifting gears. Shifting gears. I always love the. um, Oh, and I've we've got Baron. Hey, we got a third. We got the little guy. He he's joining us for the first episode. Um, Last time he was on here was a big hit. Uh, (laughs) See how long he (laughs)
1: lasts. He's we uh, can do it over under on see how long before he falls asleep. We'll find yeah, out.
0: I would say he's got maybe four to seven minutes till he starts to go into nap zone here. Yeah,
1: I mean, he's got the little swaddle going on. He's and comfortable.
0: This little thing is a swing for him. Yeah. So he can fit in this swing, um, but he's actually fully. He, ins- might
1: need to, he might need to just walk around on the top up here. Yeah,
0: he might get up. <laughs> if he gets hot, but I think right now he's looking for a, a nap zone.
1: Yeah, he's trying to get this place. He's a good little buddy. He's but we got Baron buddy. in the studio.
0: Yeah, our little mascot. So, yeah. so, MLO mascot. He's looking around. He's looking around. So let's jump into these five things because I think yes, it's sir. super important. Um, <laughs> do you wait for him to go for it. He's looking around. He's like, these five things, make sure, Dad, that you get the ones that I said. Yeah, point them out. So I think what's interesting right now, especially if we just review what happened the last six weeks of 2023, yeah, we saw a lot of media breakthrough on interest rates. So just to like, what, what do you say? Um, a refresh, really quick. Yeah, you did see the Feds announced that they are um, going to reduce interest rate hikes moving into 2024 which is huge and just a reminder so how it works with mortgage interest rates now they're different than what the fed constitutes the baseline interest rates are so the feds control what the interest rates are for banks and the government to lend to each other so it does typically follow suit to mortgage and real estate but it's not uh, this for that, perfect, down to the T.
1: No, I know. no, no. That's the the feds when they're changing rates, hiking or lowering. Right. right. It's the federal fund rate, right? Right. And then, you know, those mortgages will sometimes follow suit, but it's not always guaranteed. And I think, I, I can't believe he's getting up yeah, on Yeah, look guy. at this. It's the first time we get going to wow. see the full body on him. Oh, look at the here. size of that guy.
0: Come here, Bob. So I think it's important to at least reinstate that because a lot of the times we will see like oh google news or yahoo finance the feds rate this or announce this and that and they think that definite that directly impacts a their their you know pre-approval status their refinance opportunity for mortgage rates so i as the first thing carp and i put together was be mindful of the difference between the national average of a mortgage rate and what the Feds are saying. Yep. Though they typically and uh, traditionally follow suit, they're not exact, and it's not always. Oh, it happened this morning, so it happens now. Yeah. Um. Additionally, I want to say, be prepared in 2024 for a potential volatile interest rate market, and what I mean by that is ups and downs so maybe the best analogy would be a lot of people look at cryptocurrency as a volatile investment right. meaning oh 10% gain 5% loss 20% gain 2% loss yeah versus maybe more conservative investments like cds where it's just like 2% yield line. yeah right so Any. I think this year and we'll go into why we're gonna see a lot of ups and downs and then we're going to continue to see different media skew the reality to the consumer based on the the election year.
1: Yep. That's number one, right? What would be number two? Well, I, I mean, the, the year is going to change because you're going to start it off right now with a certain presidency. Right. Right. And then you're going to go into it. but. Between all of that, you'll have those different changes like the media has already put it out there, mm-hmm. um, you know, almost like it's guaranteed that we're going to see all these rate hikes. That's not gar- – or rate cuts, sorry. Right. So, you know, cutting those rates, lower the interest rates. But that's not guaranteed. That's just a, a predicted forecast that could potentially happen, but that's not guaranteed. Like their media has right. talked about maybe four to six rate hikes. Maybe we only – or rate cuts. Mm-hmm. Maybe we only see – two rate cuts right right so that's where that that volatile market can come into place because we might have a month where you see interest rates start to come down right but then we have a month where they maybe tick back up i think one of the biggest
0: indicators too to keep especially in quarter one if we're talking and i'm sorry we're getting like jargony and long-winded on the rate thing but i think it's important you have a couple of factors like uh the cpi Consumer yeah. Pricing Index. So w- that's a, a funnel that really will determine inflation rates. So if w- us as Americans and consumers are willing to pay X amount for something, it drives the price up. Right. Yep. So we're exiting the highest spending part of the year, which is the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. So it's possible when those spending figures hit the Fed's review or whatever, we might not have as positive of a, oh, we need to reduce interest rates because they're looking at older data.
1: Yeah. So that's something to be mindful of. Um, Well, it's a good point because they are looking at it in the rearview mirror. Right. You know, when they come out and analyze stuff, it's like in that first quarter, they're really kind of looking at that fourth quarter of last year. right? Right. And And I think uh, that's important because
0: that's a scenario that could play to the volatility of interest rates. So if, if we're cooking at a good rate and then all of a sudden that pops out, that data pops out, the feds are like, whoa, 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 whoa we're in a potential danger zone of inflation going up because they're referencing consumer spending from Christmas, Mm -hmm. right? And then you see interest rates go back up. That's confusing to the consumer who sees, oh, election, oh, rates are going down, oh, this or that. I'm gonna get pre-approved with my mortgage advisor. Mortgage advisor says they're good up to 500. Then we see that data come out, rates spike up a quarter to a half percent higher, which reduces their pre-approval amount down Yep, you could have those scenarios all the time so I just want to be like super over communicative of that potential scenario and I always tell people like hey, this is why it's important to get ahead of the planning process and work with someone that's gonna manage your expectations, is gonna show you the different variables. Hey, we're at 6%, this is what happens if it goes to five or goes back up to seven, you need to understand that. Additionally, the tip and the takeaway is always rerun your numbers before you ever start a huge session of looking at homes. Like, hey, I'm gonna go look at 12 homes, 20 homes in the next two weeks with my realtor have a touch base with your lender, make sure there hasn't been any big changes. Yep. Right? Yeah. And then most importantly, before you write an offer, man, have carp and I run those numbers for you.
1: Yeah, hey, please. Because what? going out there without knowing that stuff is one, it just causes anxiety for you yeah. as a home buyer, because I mean, I think a lot of the questions I've been recently getting to is, is you know, people don't have a ton of excess money, right? So mm-hmm. they have their down payment and they have, you know, enough for closing costs, but maybe not an abundance left over. So a lot of it's been, you know, hey, what is, you know, the total cost to buy this house look like? Like, is it your down payment plus nine grand in closing costs or 10 grand or 11? Because they only have an additional 12 or 13, right? And so knowing those numbers up front is crucial. And it allows you to just go out there and then kind of freely shop. You don't have to sit there every time a new home comes up well, can I afford this? Or what's the payment on this? You know, so. Yeah,
0: I think, I love that you brought that up because I think one of the biggest, one thing that consumers don't really understand, especially over the last year and what I think this year with continued volatility is how much that does impact the total closing costs. So Mm -hmm. one thing to remember with interest rates, right? There's a national average interest rate which is gonna take into account to all the lenders in America, you know, for an average, right? Yep. Now that average right now, two and a half years ago, that average interest rate had no additional closing costs um, to lock and secure that interest rate. Now you're seeing about, I'm gonna conservatively say, about a 1% average cost added to your closing costs. Yep. That's a lot. For that rate. Half a million dollar loan, that's $5,000 in additional closing costs just for the average trade. Yes. Now, hey Eddie, how do I get rid of that and reduce my closing costs? Not a lot of people have gone that route because they haven't had the option. It either just isn't there with banking institutions, mortgage institutions, but most of the time in the recent months, half year, quarters, Sellers have been contributing to these closing costs and it's been absorbed and not necessarily an out-of-pocket expense, but also buying down the interest rate. So now you can get a lower interest rate and increase that cost. I think that's really, really important. And the reason why is you'll get a lot of lenders, real estate agents, people in our industry kind of inflating the urgency of interest rates to drive leads and business opportunities. And I'm not trying to be negative, but I think it's important to know where it's like, oh, if you see a social media post from somebody, oh, interest rates are at 5.999. They might really be at six and a half, but from their disclosure, they're going to charge you 4%. 4% 4% additional closing costs, yeah. which is massive of $20,000 in closing costs. Yeah. Not many people want to do that or have the wherewithal to do it. And most importantly, all those people who are like, Hey, I'm not going to buy or sell, I'm waiting to refinance. This is where Carp and I do a really good job because it's all about break even points of your initial investment on the original loan. So if you got in at, let's say six and a half percent and you paid $10,000 for that original rate, you have a longer wait period from a financial perspective because you already forked over 10 G's, $10,000 for that six and a half. So if you refi at 5.99, you're washing away all that upfront cost to start over your 30 year mortgage and once again to my story before be mindful that lenders will also promote you paying points on the refinance so if the real key is i always tell people you want to wait for a reduction of a minimum of one percent one percent so if you started at six and a half don't look at it until you see that national average at five and a half and i might even bump that up to 1.5 percent. weight yeah so I just think it's important because there's so many people out there who are chomping at the bit to refinance. And I totally understand that. You see huge reductions in their monthly payment when they do so. But you can really stub your toe if you early refinance because you might do it multiple times.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, a good example is, you know, 2020, 2021, right? Rates were coming down. And I had one client that decided to go against that kind of. Mm-hmm. Good advisory. Um, you know, because the idea is you want to try to refinance one time. You want to try to hit that at the right time right? at that low rate where um, we think maybe, you know, the, the rates of bottom out are going to kind of be there. Um, but I had a client, you know, every time the rates were going down and you see it in the mark, you know, see it in social media and the news and all that stuff like, OK, rates were at eight and a half, you know, and yeah. now they're national average of 6.7 or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. And so they're like, in their minds, that's 2% lower. You know, it's time to go. They pull the trigger. And then here we go, let's just say six months from now, they're at a 5.7, again. and they're, they're pulling that trigger again. And then, you know, the idea is, you know, well, let's just say they went to 4% for a final kind of playing field and leveled mm-hmm. out there. Well, guess what they're going to do? They're pulling the trigger again. Because we keep going back to that, Remember, <laughs> yeah. that analogy of John at the barbecue, you know, yeah. who's got the lower rate. But every time you guys are refinancing or doing a mortgage, you're paying costs on that. Right. So it's like the, you have to outweigh the savings versus the costs. If you're spending five grand every time to save $200, you know, it takes a little bit to recoup that five grand back. Right. You know, and so that's where it's like, don't get ahead of the game. You know on a refinance i think the key is being patient in the timing and waiting for that right patience
0: is key and then i cut co- and i don't want to turn it into a refi conversation which i you know i ramble and could do that really quick but there is a difference in the interest rate you get if you're doing what's called a streamline or a, a interest rate reduction refi versus a cash out refinance. yeah. So that's another thing, guys. If your whole plan is, oh, I'm gonna let rates drop. I'm also accumulating all this credit card debt because my payment's so high. I'm just gonna wait for rates drop and then I'm gonna pay off all the credit card debt by extracting my equity. That's a totally other scenario. You're not getting like a paper national average interest rates on a, a cash out refinance. So understand there's different adjusters to the interest rate as you pull out money. Ideally, you do not want to pull out your equity if you don't have to. Now, obviously, there's situations, we've heard them all Mm. in a decade in this industry, Um, but those are things to be mindful of. Um, I think we've hit that point really well. The volatile volatile market interest rates. My biggest thing is I just don't want people to be swindled via social media. It's really... Unfortunate how many desperate people I see, like coming up with the newest, like I did this, do that, blah, blah. Totally. Even like celebrities be like, the minute rates drop, th- the floodgates are gonna open. And sure, trust me, my income's totally dependent on a thriving real estate market. Do I want that to happen? Absolutely. Yep. Do I think it's gonna happen so fast that oh, I can't even, no. I think it's gonna be very gradual. Um, and i feel like the feds do kind of have their hands on the harnesses here um but you will see an acceleration trending in the right direction just not as quick as the media is likely going
1: to yeah it's not dropping off a cliff so our
0: number two biggest thing about 2024 and i made just a broad broad note on my agenda is financial awareness Mm. so i think you know What's super important and it's trending in January, everyone's talking about like, oh, I'm gonna do this to your New Year's resolutions. It's so important right now, especially going into an unknown market, a volatile market, to have a grasp on your credit score and your credit card balances. Credit score plays a huge factor into what interest rate you can get, higher the interest rate, or sorry, higher the credit score, or lower the interest rate, or lower costs for the same rate. Yep. That's super super important, guys. And it's I see a lot of people, particularly first and second time homebuyers. Um, there's so much emphasis on like I need to get 20 percent down or 10 percent down, or I won't do it till this. But they let their credit slip. Yeah, credit pay, plays just as much as an impact as down payment, if not more. It's really, really important. So going into this new year, Casey and I had wrote down, take take an hour, maybe even 30 minutes to review all your accounts and build out your budget. Do like a financial oil change and audit yeah, yourself. Yeah. What are some examples you've told people in terms of just reducing their overhead and what they're spending?
1: Yeah, well, I think, I mean, you know, when the market was, was good in 2020, 2021, inflation, mm-hmm. you know, was, You know, not rampant at that point yet. You know, money was flowing through the economy. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, and so I think, you know, a good point is a lot of people kind of got carried away with things. You probably got new cars because the car rates were pretty low then. Oh, yeah. Um, You probably added on a bunch of little other things that this is where I point out to like clients and borrowers, like extra costs and subscriptions and Certain items now that you can probably cut back or right. reduce, right? Like I'm sure everyone's got probably five plus streaming accounts. Yeah, you know, um, maybe look at only having maybe one or two. You know, cut that back a little bit. You know, those aren't a drastic savings, but over time, you know, it might save you maybe a thousand bucks over the year, right? Totally. Um, it's like a bunch of little
0: decisions. It's, compound into one huge impact
1: yeah great way to put it you know if you make small decisions right because it's not like you know ideally yeah it'd be great if you could just cut out a cost that saves you 500 bucks per month but most time that doesn't happen right so you need to look at some other ideas on way to do that and that might be just a smaller cuts of that's a 25 dollar per month cost you have going right now, you know, maybe look at cutting that, maybe cut a few of those. And now you're up to maybe a hundred or $200. It doesn't seem a lot, right? But over time that could get you there. If you did that, I mean, that's 2,400 in your savings over the year, right? It's huge. And like, we're not licensed financial
0: advisors. These are just things that both of us have done personally and found success with and seeing other people either make good choices or bad choices. one of the philosophies that or mind kind of altering approaches in my opinion is to start looking at things at like times 12 for 12 months out of the year and if you don't like multiplying things by 12 and it's much easier to times it by 10 so if you've got a $50 a month cost times that by add a zero to it that's 500 a year start looking at everything with an extra zero on yeah. it Yeah, um, good point. and nobody's perfect like I spend money on little things and vices that I probably shouldn't Yeah, me too. but I also kind of I supplement it with other things, uh, other decision-making processes. Like so like I remember having, this was before the pandemic when we were commuting to the office on a regular basis, how much money I was spending on like getting a coffee on the way to the office, getting a, a snack or eating out to lunch. And like obviously doing those things from time to time are fine. But if you start looking at those at 10 times a month, times 10, months to 12 months out of a year holy cannolis like yeah a five dollar coffee ten times a month is 50 bucks times 10 months is five hundred dollars that little tiny habit is a huge game changer rather than parking 500 bucks into a savings account or if there's two people under a household that's a thousand dollars a year that's a thousand dollar three-day trip to you know the lake house that yeah. you could have
1: done. I mean, right? in a weekly breakdown, if you're driving every day, you know to work, right? You have yeah. gas, so there's. We'll just call that a clean hundred. Sure, you know clean for, hundred, clean hundo. you You're getting your coffee. Mm-hmm. You know, even if that's five bucks every time, and let's just say you, let's just say you only get three for the week. Okay, yeah. there's fifteen. You go out to lunch, maybe. Let's just say you go out to lunch twice. Right. We're gonna call that forty you're at a hundred, you know, fifty five bucks right there. It's so crazy. Just a week. It,
0: it, everything adds up and I think, you know, and I'm not trying to sound old. And that's but
1: on the low end because you know they're getting coffee every day and lunch every day.
0: Total. Well, and
1: just like So that's more like two hundred.
0: It feels like everything's so expensive. Like Yeah. Especially food and service industry related things. Like I don't wanna beat the horse, but budgeting super important multiply your purchases daily weekly or monthly do use the 10 factor add a zero to it and before you decide on it be like okay is that worth it it's interesting how your brain starts looking at stuff differently and money
1: differently if you apply that times 10 approach yeah um because it's easy to slide the card or pay the cash when it's like just not worry it's 20 bucks right like oh my gosh it's 20 bucks
0: another quick audit too is back to the credit cards like yeah good point do everything that you can to reduce those balances Mm -hmm. down you know uh credit card credit experts and people that work in that space full-time say that your credit card utilization ratio in order to get the Oh, backing up. Credit card u- utilization ratio is the balance relative to the limit of the card. So if you've got a $10,000 limit on a card and your balance at the end of the statement is 5,000, your credit card utilization ratio is 50%. You've used up half of your limit, right? Mm-hmm. So credit experts say that in order to get the most amount of credit points, it's a lot of different factors, but just specifically the slice of the credit pie of credit utilization. Yeah is you wanna be in single digits of your credit utilization ratio, so under 10%. Once again, $10,000 limit, you're wanting to keep that under 10%. Um, now, the, not everyone can do that. Life happens. You get paid at certain times. You need to put this on that. It's nothing to freak out about. Yeah. It's tier leveled. So it go like 10, 20, 30% is probably the green light okay zone. The minute you get over 50% utilization, if you don't have a diverse credit history and other positive compensating factors, you can see a nosedive. Yeah. So when we, Carp and I talk to people, it's like, oh, what do you think your credit score is? And I'm like, oh, it flutters between. 680 and 740 we know right off the jump that's someone that's got this huge volatile swinging of credit card balances so going back to our tip of like hey focus on credit we want this score to be as high as possible so work toward that credit utilization ratio lastly I'm sorry folks if you are the person that's paying minimums on your credit cards And putting instead of paying that balance, you're putting that money in your savings account. That is not saving money. So if you, you owe $30,000 in credit cards and you have $20,000 in your savings account, you're negative 10 grand. Yep. You have not saved $20,000. Yeah, we great point, but people do that all the time. I've worked so hard. I've saved up 10,000, 5,000, whatever it might be. That's a lot of money you haven't saved. You deferred your debt yep. that you're paying 20 to 30% APR on. That's not savings.
1: We call that a negative 10 grand network.
0: It's just, I'm it,
1: not trying to
0: be mean. No. We've all done it before because it's like this mental game. You look at your accounts, you're like, oh, I got this. I feel really good. Oh, I've got a $1,000 balance on this card. I'm only going to pay 500 bucks of that 1000 because I feel better with $500 in my savings or my, uh, another. No, like, don't do it. Get into the habit of just paying it down. And it's not, not everyone can do it, but no. we see it so often where people think that not paying their bills and just keeping that money is saving money. It's not.
1: Yeah. And I mean, most importantly, just, you know, make sure you're making the credit card payment. Yeah. You know, because not making that <laughs> is sure. even a whole different drastic feature on your credit. You know, you know, just try to never be 30 days late. You know, if if it's only minimum you got, make the minimum. But ideally you want to try to be paying that down. So if minimum is minimum 35 and all you got, you know, you know you can do the 50, then do the 50, you know? Do the 50. And get that get that thing going, but the reality is guys, like it's been a high cost year. Right. The last year is high cost. You're going to see I mean, I don't know where we're ranking at, but I would say the credit card balances and debts in the, in the in the country are probably some of the highest times record ever high. Yeah, record Just hit over a trillion nationally. Yeah, yeah I yeah, see. So and the the reality is, and you guys have felt it going to the grocery store or buying any kind of goods these days. it's just the costs don't outweigh the incomes being earned, so there is a gap there, and that gap right. is being filled with credit, you know it's just yeah it's just that's the reality of the situation, so we feel for everybody out there with high credit card balances or just you know they're 'cause it's stressful, you know it's stressful when you're not making enough money to cover or get ahead, right? And that, I think that's been most the economy in the last year. Um, I mean, shoot, it's been a lot of people in real estate, too, because the market's been down, right? But you got to have that mindset of positivity and knowing, hey, you're going to get through this. It's not ending tomorrow. Right. You know, We make our payments, make them on time, start to pay a little bit more, and it's going to shift back in everybody's favor, you just kind of kind of weather that storm and get through the grind, but don't just give up and collapse and just keep sliding and just not keep proactively thinking about the positive things, right? Do the times 10, maybe give up some of those things. It's kind of time to hunker down a little bit so you can get ahead again and then, then be okay.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love your message. I love the vibes on that message too. Um, One thing that I've noticed and, I think you could probably agree you know we've obviously worked together for a long time you see it a lot in our industry when and i'm not just saying it's people in our industry this is kind of an american culture thing where it's like every time someone has a good month or gets a raise the majority of people upgrade everything in their life and they upgrade their monthly overhead costs mm-hmm. i see that so often it's like oh i get you know, a 10% raise, I'm gonna go get that new car. I'm gonna go um, join this country club or I'm gonna join another overhead thing or buy this. And they stacking on more minimum payments rather than my philosophy is let's keep the minimum or, or my monthly payments to an absolute minimum as humanly possible. But the reward would be an activity, a one-time cost rather than a monthly. And that's where you can make a huge hurdle mentally and financially, a financial strategy is like, okay, yeah, I would love to get rid of my car and get a brand new car. That feels good. But my monthly payment would double. Well, what could I do differently? Could I go on a trip? Could I buy myself um, a new set of golf clubs? Could I treat myself to a two-day trip to the to the beach with the wife and the kids or yeah. whatever? Yeah, One-time costs are fine and it's a reward, but most of us want a showboat and keeping up with the Joneses and continue to upgrade. So if you continue to increase your monthly overhead and the income flow is up and down or good or bad, you can get into a tough spot yeah. real quick. So just that's another tip that I've used personally is like you can reward yourself with a one-time decision rather than a monthly cost. Yeah, really that's, really That's good.
1: such a good point Addy. I mean how many people do that And then at the end of the day, like that uh, you know that f- good feeling that you get when you do the purchase, right? Yeah because you know, that's a real thing you know people, it's like a drug drug addiction sometimes for some people, yeah. like a new purchase feeling. You know, you get a high and a rush from it. But then what happens after, like, it's done? Like, you know, it's not like you're still, once you've upgraded that car, right. after a year of owning the car, it's just it a car. It doesn't smell new anymore. Right? Yeah, it's just <laughs> another car, right? But you've locked yourself into a five-, six-year payment plan on that. Yeah. When, how good does that, you know, vacation to Hawaii really good for the whole time you're there you know for the most part and then it's kind of done by the time you're kind of on that last day you're ready to go back home right and that's a one-time spend you go back into the grind. Like it's, it's so
0: funny too with like those types of like one-time trips and I, we're getting off agenda which is fine but like how many times have you had like a cool trip with the guys or the family and you think back on those memories and you smile and you're like man yeah. i'll have those memories for life not once did i lay in bed or daydream about oh i that time i bought that car you don't sit there and never, think about never, that stuff never, right never. it's just yeah it's definitely a mind shift thing it's like something i noticed about myself especially from like the early to mid 20s to now like approaching late 30s yikes um it, if, it, it's a good mindset thing
1: yeah if anything people look back and they're like Man, I should have kept that older car. <laughs> totally. Totally.
0: <laughs> so I think that's important. Um, and really padding that into like getting to a point where you tackle, hey, I got to tackle my credit card debt. Next, I need to save money. Because there's so many people, too, that come to me I was like, oh, Addy, I want to pay off or I want to pay my 30-year mortgage down in 15 years. or I want to do this. And then are like, how do I do that? And I always explain to him Casey is like, look, we got a couple other benchmarks we want to focus on first. Like number one, do you have credit card debt? Gotta tackle that before we talk about paying your house off early, right? Yeah. Do that. Are you saving for retirement? Number two. Number three, do you have what's called reserves? Do you can, if you lost your job, could you pay your bills? And if you can, how many months can you go? The target suggestion, we hear from a lot of financial advisors, is to have six months of your overhead in reserves, not invested in Bitcoin, not invested in Tesla stock, but in a savings account, preferably yielding a decent interest rate. So those are your baby steps right there. Now then we get, Casey and I get this all the time, it's like, yeah, so I wanna buy a home, a new home, but I don't want my payment to change. I'm really sorry, folks, there's no, there's no way anyone is going to sell and buy a bigger, newer home and upgrade without increasing their payment. The interest rates higher, inflation happens. Everything's more expensive. You just, that's not happening folks. So you got it. And I'm not trying to be negative. I'm trying to be a realist here because yeah. you'll get people who are like, Oh yeah, we'll make that happen for you. Just, you know, you're, you're approved up to X amount. Go out with your, Real estate agent find a home and they don't know what they're getting themselves into. So have that consult with the advisor, know you're gonna increase your payment if this is what's best for you. And then Casey and I always tell people, let's say your current overhead is 3000 a month. You talk to your advisor, uh, your mortgage person gets you pre-approved, you go through the numbers, and the reality of the situation is what you're looking at is an increase from 3000 to, say, $3,700. let us just use that, right? Yeah. That's a $700 a, di- dollar a month difference. What Carp and I always tell people is now, start now. I don't care if you're a year out, six months, or two. Start saving that difference differentiator yep that's a unnecessary complexity that increase yeah. from 3000 to 3700 save that extra 700 bucks into a savings account don't even have it in your checking force yourself to get used to having that reduction of cash flow and that increased of cost and see if the shoe fits
1: yeah see if you can do it yeah that's yeah that's a great point you know we're If you're already making the $3,000 mortgage payment, make it 3,700, you know, paying off faster, 700 to principal, but now you're making that payment to you try to get used to that payment. And it's just normal. And it becomes normality,
0: yeah. That's like a lot of first time homebuyers is like, when I talk to them and they're like, they're at that point with that hurdle that they just can't (gasps) make the jump because they're paying, $1,600 $1,600 a month for their 300 square foot studio, right? And like, oh man, I'm gonna be jumping to 3000 a month. That's an intimidating yeah, it jump. Is. Start by doing that, putting that money aside and pretending that you have that overhead. And then it goes the same for second, third, fourth time home buyers. Yeah. Cause it's just folks, it's not gonna happen that you're gonna have the same or less. The only ways that happen is if you relocate to a cheaper market, That's one way. You sell your home, you make a bonkers amount of money off the sale and likely then moving to a cheaper market. It's just, it's not gonna happen. And then most of the time, I'll run the numbers with people and they wanna put a quarter million dollars down and I actually show them, hey, well, let's put a 100 and then take that other 150, invest it. This is how much money it would make you monthly, annually, and you have access to it. Anyways, I'm getting super off, but. The four savings Still. things to get used to the higher is a really good trick.
1: Yeah, 100%. Any
0: other add-ins on the financial thing? Well,
1: There's a long episode. Yeah, I mean, it's really, good. it's just... I mean, honestly, I've seen a lot of people also pick up part-time jobs that just become grinders at this point. You know, you have yeah. a job. You're working five days a week, and uh you know, obviously the situation's different for everybody, but... um I mean, it doesn't hurt to pick up something for the weekends, too. You know, go grab a, a part-time job. I mean, now's the time to kind of put it in. So, you know, that could help you actually get a get ahead on maybe some credit card paying off. It help you get ahead by putting, you know, forced savings in the bank because you're relying on that one paycheck that you get for five days a week. And now you have another separate bucket of income coming in. You know, from some weekend work that you're doing that you could force feed in. Really, I think, you know, on that, like if you can create some other way to have a secondary income funnel coming Mm in or multiple um, can kind of help you get out of maybe the situation right now that you're stuck in with just the single income. You know, so I mean, start looking at all the stuff you got. I'm sure you've collected a lot of stuff. Sell that thing on Facebook Marketplace or something. You know, I'm sure there's some money to be had there. That's a good point. I too want to go back to doing your
0: own personal financial audit. Yeah. Because let me give you a quick example. So I have a friend who's picking up a second job on the side to pay for things until things get better. One particular financial habit I know my friend has is the dreaded coffee addiction. Oh, yeah. And we all have our vices, right? We have things we waste our money. And I'm not trying to pay. I'm not exempt from this category, but the coffee one's really easy. Cause this particular person goes to their coffee establishment twice a day at $5 per coffee.
1: Is this so, one of those national ones or is this a local? It's coffee? a local. Okay. Nice. So 10
0: bucks a day, 10 bucks a day, seven days a week, $70 per week in coffee times four, two $280 a month in coffee. Then the side gig is 20 bucks an hour. Pre-tax pre-tax 20 bucks an hour in order to pay for that coffee, that individual at $20 an hour, and I'm not accounting for taxes taken out would need, what's the math $280 that's 14 hours per month. They would need to work. That's 1.5 days a month. They have to go to their secondary job just to pay for the coffee. 1.5 One point five days yeah. of your thirty day month is spent to pay for the two coffees you're getting. So to me, my brain works with, well, I'm just going to make the coffee at home and have yeah. a day and a half more in my month for myself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you, yeah, got to get on, got to get them on the c- cups. But if you can find, you can find
0: one, two, three, four of those little examples. Between a couple or a house, you might be able to find not needing a second job for a week. So I'm flipping the script. Say you're exhausted. I can't do the two jobs. working seven days a week. I'm working seven days a week. I'm working full eight hours at this job. I'm counting on taking care of the kids, getting them to sports, doing this. They need this and that and that. Then I'm working a night shift. Find a week. From reducing the spending or spending differently.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right?
0: I I think that's powerful math. A lot of it's because people, I, I think there's a lot of amazing, hardworking people. Oh, yeah. Amazing, hardworking people, but they've fallen into the routine of what consumerism is. I just need to do this. I need to get a new this. I, I just got to go get the, that's a part of my routine to go to the Starbucks or, yeah, yeah. you know, Oh, this piece of clothing is a year old. Got to get rid of it. Or I need a new this. I need a new car. Yeah. Two years lease is up new car. So just interesting math there, right?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I think you're just, you get stuck in the every day of your, your consumer life. Right. And you know, it's hard to change habits. It's so it's hard. very hard to change habits. Um, but like you're you're just gonna have to in this time in the day and age you know we're just at such a high cost living that you got to look at those habits and you know then if if it's not for you then you got to right. look at some other ways to 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 make up for that because
0: so i've told this story before many times on our podcast now for how long we've been doing it um when i was first attempting to improve my credit and actually like worrying about money and I started, I got like my very first credit, real credit card. Like, Hey, I'm going to do the right thing here. Not like the first couple burner cards I got when I was 18 and you rack them up and then they go to collections. Yeah. Like the, Hey, I'm going to fix my, fix my business here. I'd swipe the card and then I'd sit in my car and I'd look on the banking app and I'd see it post and then I'd pay it. And it sounds like super like paranoid, But what that kind of built for me was this comfort level with my bank account. I know personally, I have financial management in a good spot for me. And I'm not saying, oh, I'm making a lot of money or not. I know I'm in a good spot when I'm not fearful of opening up my accounts and logging into them. When I know I'm swaying is when I don't wanna look at them. Yeah, Check yourself on that. And I think that would be more consistent with a lot of people than you would think hey if you know you're making good decisions you want to you feel comfortable you're you're looking at your checking oh yeah that's what I spend that's tracking I feel good about that number because you're making good decisions it's almost like hiding from your parents when you know you didn't clean your room yeah, If you've cleaned your room, you're looking in there. Hey, look how yeah, good that looks. Nice. Chris sheets. I got all my toys put away. My clothes are hung. But if you got a messy closet, you ain't looking in there because no. you know it's a mess. Yeah. So check yourself on that. That's and awesome. Hopefully yeah, the way I put it. Yeah, that's a good analogy. For, quality quality for
1: sure. For <laughs> sure. So
0: let's go into like our final little bucket. And thanks everyone for bearing with us. I think there's some good takeaways. Straight yeah. Straight out some more like kind of mindset things, which I think is good for this year going into the new year. Yeah, solutions. mental health. So I think another thing to put on, oh, this does kind of like bridge over to what we're talking about, but timing is always challenging in real estate. A lot of people are sitting back, I was like, hey, I'm just gonna wait for rates to go down, I'm gonna wait for this. So be mindful, of Casey and I've talked about this before. As interest rates go down, demand goes up because more people are qualified, right? So just note, as interest rates slowly go down, which we think they will gradually reduce, that demand will gradually go up. So I think if you are in a personal situation where, hey, I need a couple of these things. Number one, if you are in need of the seller to pay your closing costs, right, Casey? If you need your sellers to pay closing costs, you want to accelerate your buying sooner than later. Because as the demand goes up, The sellers have more options and they don't want to take money from their profit to pay for your closing costs, leaving just the people that have their big down payment and paying their own closing costs as the winning bids. So if you are an FHA loan, which is typically 700 credit score or lower um, and maybe have a past bankruptcy or you're an eligible veteran that earned the right for that VA entitlement, Now would probably be a better time in the next three to six months to go ahead and try to get into a house before the demand increases, because we wouldn't want to see those yeah. people get washed away in the tide. And you're like, oh man, I did everything Addy and Carp said, but I waited. And then now my particular offer and best foot forward isn't competitive.
1: Yeah. Cause as we see, like the market sh- shift, and, you know, interest rates hopefully keep coming down. Um, it's just going to bring more people into the market. Right. People that have been waiting, people that have been saving. And as you get higher demand, it's just going to either drive costs up or at least give those sellers more options to choose from. Yeah. And if you're needing some help, they might be willing to help you right now. But six months from now, and now they're getting three, four offers, Maybe they're not engaged to help you. Um, you know, ideally, right right now, we're still seeing a lot of contracts me and Addy are getting with sellers, you know, helping the buyer in some way, shape, or form. Maybe it's yeah. a little bit of a credit to help with closing costs. Maybe it's all the closing costs. Maybe it's some rate buy-down stuff, stuff like that. Like, there's still incentivized right now to help yeah. because they're trying to still sell their house. Yeah. And I think the average house right now is still on market for like 90 days or something like that. Yeah, And, uh, you know, they don't want to sit there and do any more price reductions. But as the market changes, as more buyers come into it, you're going to start to lose that buyer power, you know, to try to get any help on that. So I think, you know, now's the time. And you just said, it, you know, I think six months is kind of that run you're going to or window you're yeah. going to have for those type of buyers that probably just have a down payment and do not have, you know, the additional funds. Yeah. And I, I'm going to add to, we were chatting about it before have a
0: reality, a check with inventory. So in inventory, it's the amount of houses on sale or on the market for sale. Right. Yeah. So The thing to understand is you might be looking at a lot of inventory and don't expect a whole lot of sparkling, clean, perfect looking homes. And here's the reason why. So let's say you bought a home in the last five years or refinanced at the very low end, you're sitting there with a really low monthly payment and you can't go, you can't sell and go buy a new one because you don't want to lose that low payment. So what do you do if you're a homeowner? You, over the last couple of years, you've been doing home improvement projects. You've been investing money on maybe a kitchen upgrade, right? Maybe you redid one of the bathrooms. Maybe you landscaped out the backyard and got that nice little waterfall decor thing going and the pavers and painted a new roof, maybe a new HVAC system, all those things. So when people are handcuffed and can't move, they invest in their home. So then until interest rates really drop and you start seeing more demand and more movement, you're only gonna see distressed properties. And the reason why is they can't get top dollar because they're having to give closing costs. They are sitting on market for a really long time. They're doing price reductions, right? They They can't invest in the home yeah they're bare bones they want to get out of it they're investors or they're having financial hardship or they have to relocate so just you're going to see you're not going to see a lot of sparkling perfect resales this year in my opinion because of that scenario a lot of people are invested in that okay i I put thirty thousand dollars into my home in the last two years yeah and i'm I'm not going to put it on market for 10% less than what I think it's worth. Right. All to increase my monthly payment for a worse house. So you just have to be prepared to do a little TLC in, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're seeing, uh, didn't you mention you're seeing a lot of uh, listings terminate. Terminate.
0: Yeah, one of my trusted partners, Heather Listy, was telling me she's like, she got thirty-five red redfin emails over the weekend of all terminations, meaning a house went into contract pending and then out of the blue, it terminates. It goes back on market. Traditionally the consumer thinks something's wrong with the home. Cracking the foundation of yeah. this, that. So a lot of it isn't that. What happens now is your entry point of the mutual acceptance between the seller and the buyer is like, great, we'll buy it, you listed it at 550, you've price reduced over 90 days down to 525, my clients will take it for 525, plus you gotta give 20 grand for my buyer's closing costs. It's a very common scenario right now. Yeah. so the that net figure is the sellers are making forty five thousand dollars less than when they started this whole monopoly journey right yeah so then we go into inspection period in a hot market the inspection's almost a carpool walkthrough like they they a lot of times said they won't ask for repairs that exceed X amount of dollars now it's cut through. They go into every nook and cranny, check the systems, check if there's any mold, moisture, roof, life expectancy, all these things. So at starting point of mutual acceptance, they've already reduced a net of $45,000 and then buyers are going back like, we need 20 more grand of repairs done. And the sellers have a thrash point. They're like, screw this. Yeah. No, we're terminating and going back on market.
1: I've seen a lot of that right now. Yeah, and you're seeing a lot like, You know, I got a, a friend's parents that you know they've had their house listed for you know probably probably ninety days or so, maybe even more. You know, and and have already done a price reduction, a decent one. Let's just say it was five twenty five, and they went to five hundred. And you know they're getting kind of just tapped out of that because you know the, I think they they're exhausted. The agent I think now wants them to do you know offer up closing costs as an incentive, and you know the goal is still to always try to get the home. Sold and you know get a good buyer in, but at the end of the day, they gotta buy something. They else. gotta buy something else, and, and they're not walking. They're not trying to walk away with no profit made. I mean, the whole right. point to sell a home is to hopefully try to make some money on it. You know, I mean, so you gotta remember that. You yeah. gotta remember they that. they got a loan to pay off. They gotta go somewhere. You know,
0: even some people like this is their retirement. They yes. need this money. They're yes. relocating to a cheaper market with lower cost of living, and they need that X amount of dollars to live on. Yes. So sometimes that there are breaking points for sellers. So once again, we're not trying to be negative. Right? No. Going into no. This, these are things to consider and to understand. I think to recap that final segment, land the plane. If you are dependent on the sellers for closing costs, if you are in a compensating loan program, like an FHA loan, or if you're trying to do a full zero down and that is your goal, you might wanna get into the self-checkout lane and not wait, like hurry up and get there um, in the next four to eight months, eight being the absolute latest because that would be pressing up to election period.
1: Yeah, absolutely, buddy.
0: I love it. Well.
1: Happy New Year, Carb. Happy New Year to you.
0: And we want to thank everyone once again for another fabulous year of following. Um, the reach outs, the comments, uh, direct messages, we really appreciate it. And we're striving through and excited for a revamp here in 2024. If you need any help, you want to set up a Zoom with Carb or myself, um, you want us to do an episode of which might be a certain title. You need to get pre-approved. You got to hit us up, let us know, shoot us a text, shoot us an email, hit us up on social, whatever's most convenient for you. We absolutely love helping people make the right strategic plan for their journey in real estate. And on that note, I will thank you all for watching or listening and we will catch catch you you later. later. Yes. One of one this year.
1: Nice. Starting it off right.